from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Matt Cowart, I'm a director. Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. Jennifer Kerfman, I'm an actor. Jersey Gwizdowski, I'm an actor. And Kit Lavoy, I'm a writer and a director. Uh, this is the fourth in our five-part series about the stages of rehearsal. Uh, we've already had episodes on table work, exploration, and staging. Today, we're talking about the run-work section of rehearsal, that part of rehearsal after the piece is staged and the scenes are on their feet and have their basic shape, uh, and the actors and directors are working together to hone that into uh, something much closer to the final shape that the scenes are going to have in production. So at what part in the process and how much of the process do you guys like to spend in the run-work section of rehearsal? For myself, I know that I uh, really like to uh, spend the last week before we would go into tech, pretty much devoting that whole week to runs and then working notes. Depending on what shape we're in, like a run every day or a run every other day, ideally so that before we go into tech, we've run the show you know, at least four or five times from top to bottom, personally. As, as an actor, I mean, you're, you're, you want to get to that point where you're running the show at whatever point you reach it in the rehearsal process. I always like more running, but it's not always possible in terms of schedule and in terms of the demands of the rehearsal process and in terms of the, the, the process the director um, has laid out or hasn't laid out but becomes the circumstance for one reason or another. But it, it, for, for my money, more opportunity to run the show, the better. How do you guys think about the differentiation between and the balance between the runs in this part of rehearsal and the working runs? And by that, I, I, we mean that sometimes you are working on a scene or working on the play and stop and work on part of what's going on and then pick up and go further and stop and work what's going on as opposed to, you know, it is more of a run, which is you do either a whole scene straight through or a whole act straight through or the whole play straight through and then discuss it with notes after the fact. How do you guys prefer the balance between those things? Do you like to toggle back and forth between them or do you tend to do one leading into the other? I really like to work back and forth between those. It's really important to me that, as Jersey said, you know, I, I would love to have as many runs as I possibly can get, but you also don't always get in a run, you don't always get the opportunity to really work on that one troubling scene or that one, that one choice that still isn't working or making sense. Or, and so to be able to um, have the confidence that stopping and starting and working on a particular moment or section is not keeping me from getting to do a run, I think is, is ideal. So to feel like I've had a chance to try to string the arc of the play together for myself, see how that fits, how it wears together, and then maybe have the next day's rehearsal have the opportunity to go through and work, work through some of those notes that the director might give and really hone moments so that then Ideally, I can take it into maybe the next day's run-through and incorporate that into the full arc of the play. 
Yeah, I think that can be a really important way, both as an actor and as a director, you know, to be able to use runs to do a bit of a diagnosis um, on exactly where you stand with things. If I'm working on a, on a play, I actually really generally, uh, certainly, you know, you want to have a couple, two or three days at least where you're running the whole play. But I really like to, within that week or so that you were talking about, Matt, um, if it's a one-act play, it's very easy to do. Or if it's a full-length play, you can take a section. But I really like to start the day and just ask the actors, say, let's run this wherever we are. If we're working on a specific scene, if, again, it's a one-act play and it's 30 minutes long, you can just do that. But I find that there's something really useful um, about really just being able to say, where do we stand? The things we discussed yesterday, how have they been incorporated into the actor's thinking overnight? As an actor, to feel these things I worked on overnight, how are they uh, impacting the way that the play is working? And also, frankly, as a director and as an actor, to sort of feel where the actors are feeling with the piece on a given day. Because sometimes you can look at it, and even if you had a plan to work on one specific element that day, you can see the actors are really in a place that they either are especially in need of or especially primed to work on some uh, specific element of the play. And it's always best to work on what is going to be most productive on that day. I think that last part of your comment, Kit, is reflects my feeling about the, your original question, which is how do you find that balance between those things? I really feel like you know, there isn't necessarily a formula to what percentage of your work run process is devoted to a given part of the work, but it's, I mean, I can't imagine a rehearsal process in which it, it, the following happened, that, you know, a run happened and then there was a note session and then there was a, oh, can we work on that bit, you know? I've been having this issue that seems to come up every time we go through that scene and we haven't touched it in two weeks. Can we take some rehearsal time and go back and, and work on it? That it really is about diagnosing where the production is or where the process is at a given moment and then going back in and tinkering with, with bits to, to then help it fit more smoothly into the next run. On that idea of a diagnosis, which uh, both Kit and Jersey said, this is not necessarily a part of the work run process, but I always find it very useful to end a week of rehearsal by you know, running, which really ends up being more of a work run, everything we've worked on that week. Uh, which really serves to send me into the day off knowing, okay, these things are landing, these things need to take a step forward, and also for the actors to be able to feel what we have accomplished and also what still needs to be done. Oh, this section doesn't make any sense. I can use the day off to work on that. Which, you know, kind of falls into the same category, although in, the, in an ideal process, that's the way I like to end every week. Although I think... I don't know if you've ever had an ideal rehearsal process. I've had some that have come very close. And some that have been absolutely wonderful. Many that have been wonderful. But I feel like there's always something that goes wrong. Always, or that comes up. And I do feel like that period of the week of run and work is the first to get chunks taken out of it as recasting happens or as production schedules tighten or as tech gets moved back. That that last week is the one where there's... If, if anything uh, like that does come up, because it always does, that that's the week in which uh, some scrambling happens and some concessions are made, which is why I think it's really important not to just have a ideal sense of proportion and balance in terms of hours given or scheduling. And while those both, both the directors have said some really interesting and 
useful stuff. I think it's also important to have a very clear philosophy about the approach to that period of rehearsal because you don't know exactly how much time you're ever going to have to run and work the parts that you need to. And I think part of the reason for that is, except for the, you know, night that you open that's a hard ending, it's really the only phase of rehearsal that really has a hard end. You know, because there's the day you move into the theater to start doing tech, and the idea of if you are doing table work and decide, you know, we could use another day of table work. Okay, you can use another day of table work. We're having really great exploration, could use another day of that. We're not done staging. Well, the only place ultimately that can come out of is this run work section uh, because at some point you're going to have to move into the theater and uh, and start working with the lights and the sound. But I, I also think that part of it too, or at least a way of thinking about it, is that a lot of the way that I think about the run work section is about really doing the polish work on the sculpture in a lot of ways. That, you know, the table work and the exploration is really about trying to figure out what is the shape that this sculpture is going to take. And then in the uh, blocking rehearsals, as we talked about in the last episode of this series, you know, is really about roughing out the shape, is deciding where is the arm going to go? Is the head going to be turned to the left or the right? And, and you, you, you chip those out of the block of granite to make the shape of the statue. And then a lot of, I think, what the run work is about is about polishing it and adding the details and adding the muscle tone. You know, but sometimes what you end up with uh, if you don't manage your time well, is you, you know, actually a big part of it is about managing your time well and making sure that the statue is of a piece. You know, that you don't end up with a statue with a gorgeously honed right arm and a big clunky left foot. Um, you know, that you really are measuring out and taking a measure of where the play lives, trying to make it as much of a piece and make the flow of it and the arc of it as clear as possible. And then also, to the extent that you are able, to try to make the moments as clear as possible. I mean, it's something, it's a Hallmark card thing. They you know, say you don't remember days, you remember moments. But I think that's true of shows, too. You don't remember shows, you remember moments in shows. And I think a big part of the goal of a team putting together a show is to get those memorable moments as close together as you possibly can. And that's really, I think, a lot of what the run work section is about, is that you've built your storytelling shape and figured out what the story you're trying to tell is through the first three phases of rehearsal, but now is the time to really hone those moments, make them specific, and get them as close to each other as you can. But, as both of you were saying, sometimes you're running out of time and you have to be really judicious about where you're going to put your focus to make sure that if the moments can't be directly next to each other, they're in the best and smartest places possible. I think from an actor perspective, I'm thinking at this point in the process less about those moments and more about connecting them. So I'm really looking for the, the ways that all of those little moments that we've been finding from the table work through the exploration and everything I've learned from the staging of the play, how that all wears on me and fits into my body and into my voice and, and making sure that I really know what I'm doing from moment of the play to moment of the play, but also that I know how they lead into each other and how they build an arc and how I can kind of jump on that train and ride the train all the way to the end every single time we run the play. And I feel like um, 
in directing a piece too is kind of you've led your actors potentially to all of these different places and exp you know in exploration and you've kind of through staging maybe clarified kind of what some of the choices are going to be but at that point in in the run work is kind of helping them piece together that performance like you're talking about and kind of making sure you know you're all on the same page and um, using different things that came up way earlier in the rehearsal process, reminding people of what those choices were that were helpful then and, and piecing that all together. Yeah, I mean, I actually think that that idea that a lot of the exploration is about looking at what the panoply of choices are. A lot of what happens in the staging is arriving on which choices are going to be in this production. And then this run-work section is really about making those choices work yeah. and making them work as dynamically as you possibly can, both in terms of the basic logic of how are we going to do it, but then how are we going to do it as interestingly as possible? What is the spin that you can put on it that's going to make this correct storytelling moment for the storytelling moment that for the story that we're trying to tell also be a very memorable storytelling moment for the, from the audience's point of view? And like you said, Jen, how they all work together, how all of those little pieces run together in, in a given run, making sure that you as an actor can get from the beginning to the end and have, it all, have everything make sense. There's a certain extent to which, as an actor, I look at this period as a process of solidifying the way in which those things work together, but I almost look at it like, like learning a, a text that in the same way that you're when you're kind of setting things in uh, and locking things down and getting to a point where you're identifying how they relate to each other after a period of exhaustive kind of pulling things out of context of the circumstances of the show, or not necessarily the circumstances of the show, but just pulling them out of actually doing the show, the run process is a wonderful opportunity to enrich the work that you're already doing by putting it in the context of what is happening and has come before. And so many things come to life when the play becomes a whole that, and I, I say it's a text, and it's a, it's a text in the sense of, it's a it's a it's a tool that you have, like the words on the page, you know, your choices that you've made that are set at this point, the the staging, the where the chair is going to be, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now that you know the universe that you're inhabiting, you have essentially overlain and often you will in your script have a, a, literally overlain an additional set of text that it is now your job to do the same type of enrichment work that in an earlier part of rehearsal the words on the page in terms of your lines were the the text that you're enriching what do you guys do as uh, directors and as actors uh, to prepare uh, for run work rehearsals I think as an actor, this is the point at which, you know, after having staged everything, I absolutely must be off book. Hopefully, I, we're having the chance to work with some kind of rehearsal costumes, um, rehearsal props, anything that we might actually need to deal with. And I think in terms of preparation for the, the stage of rehearsal, I, I make sure that I am ready having checked off all of the the things on my list of of jobs to do so that I can really come into rehearsal and have kind of like Jersey was talking about the different layers of texts I have all of that I've done all of that work and now I can bring it in and start to put it together and I think preparing for these 
these rehearsals is probably some of the most physical part of rehearsal, figuring out how my stamina is, is going to work for this play. So coming into this stage of rehearsal is, you know, physical warm-ups, vocal warm-ups, everything that I might ever have in my bag of tricks for how to be physically prepared for a rehearsal definitely comes into play at this stage. And I think a big part of it, too, is by the time you've gotten through to this part of rehearsal, you know, you've been working for a fair amount of time with the play and with this group of people. I mean, usually it's, you know, unless the, you know, production is troubled in some way, which happens sometimes for a lot of different reasons, you're more or less in a rhythm in terms of being used to showing up and working with these people, and you can show up and work. But I think what's really important is that you can take that for granted and just, and I think you can get to a place like, all right, great, so I'll see everybody tomorrow morning at 10, and it can be a real danger if you don't think about what you're going to do tomorrow morning at 10. And I think for me, both as an actor and a director, that's the main homework that I'm doing in between, is as an actor to be looking back on what did we work on today or what are we working on tomorrow, what problems need to be solved, and rather than planning to show up tomorrow to figure out how to address them, to show up tomorrow with strategies of how I think I'll be able to address them. I know that this moment, this transition moment, isn't working. I always feel like I'm kind of backing into that moment. But I think if I make it about the fact that I'm about to be fired, then I think I'll be able to make that happen. If not, maybe if I make it about the fact that my brother's in the room, that might help me make it. So rather than coming in tomorrow and just thinking, oh, I've got to figure that out tomorrow, to do some time at home where you're actually coming in with a hypothesis to test in the laboratory of rehearsal. Um, and similarly, as a director, I just think a lot of it is just being, a lot of it really is about clock management, frankly, uh, you know, and that awareness of this is the next layer of things that we need to get done in rehearsal. You know, and literally I will come in with a list that I check off as we go, you know, of, you know, these are things that really need to be addressed before we can get to the next things that we need to address. And that actually is something that is, an, I think, an invaluable skill for a director that a director just develops over working on, um, uh, working on a number of, of productions. But I know I've definitely been in productions of a new play with a playwright, and the playwright will say, oh, but they're not doing this. And the answer is... Yes, I know, but they're not ready to do that yet. They need to do these things first. And I think, you know, to be able to really go home at night as a director and strategize similarly and say, if we're going to be able to get to this place by Friday, we really need to be sure that we're clear on the, you know, this part of the staging here and we need to be you know help uh, you know this person connect up these moments they're not connecting yet and that will set us up in a place that we can have a productive rehearsal the day after tomorrow but I think that that's actually something actually that we've talked about in the past that each stage of rehearsal is really in many ways about setting up the next stage of rehearsal. But I think that's actually true to some degree of every rehearsal, but I think especially of the rehearsals in this part of the, you know, in this part of the process, both for actors and directors to really know 
we are now getting close, we now know the shape of the play, I now have a clear sense as an actor or as a director of what it is that I need to achieve by the time we get into the theater and start teching it, and what is it that I need to do today to get me this step closer, to get me to the step that I need to get to get to the next step. Um, you know, and that really for me is the homework that I do at home at this point, um, is really planning to be effective the next day. I feel like as a director, um, it also, uh, early on in the run work week or whatever it is um, that you get, is kind of a chance to, you've done the staging part, to kind of see it all together and make tweaks with that, seeing seeing it up on its feet with people actually running through it at full speed and with, you know, with everything going on, whatever, to, to actually kind of see what you've put together and uh, take an opportunity to kind of, to kind of, you know, jigger with that too. Uh, yeah, and Kit, what you were saying, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of the skills uh, that I use as a director in this part of the process are time management skills. You know, knowing that I have three hours of rehearsal time before the next run, and what needs to be accomplished in those three hours to make that run as productive as possible. And then being able to further break down a list and say, okay, I know this scene will take 25 minutes, and this one will take 20 minutes, and I wish we had 45 minutes for this chunk, but we're only gonna have 30. So how can I prepare for that half hour to make sure we get 45 minutes wor uh, worth of work done in that 30 minutes? Mm -hmm. um, that's really the most, that's, that's the thing you hone from doing show after show is how to make that list and know how much time you need for each thing. And related to that, knowing your actors and knowing what might be you know, more beneficial for them to get up and really run and work versus just giving them a note at the end of the run that you know will, will help them for the next run. You know you won't need to work that as long as you give them this note. Yeah, taking the opportunity not only to diagnose what the play needs, but what the actors need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a big part of it is both time management, but also prioritization. That there does, you know, you, you always have more ideas than you're ultimately able to put into the play. And, you know, sometimes, especially when you're getting to this point where, again, there is a firm end point to it, where you really have to take a hard look and say, you know what, I really love this idea for this moment, but we would really have to spend 40 minutes on it to get that right and we don't have it, so I would rather have something different we can get right in 15 minutes than have this thing that will never be right because we don't have the time to do it right. And sometimes that can be really painful, you know, to take an idea that you were excited about and have to decide that it is not going to make it into this production. But sometimes that's a choice you have to make for the benefit of the production. Again, the production is better off with a very well-done, simpler moment than a not-so-well-done, more complex moment you want to put in a specific place. And I think there's something, going back to what you said, Matt, um, about how can I get 45 minutes worth of work done in this 30 minutes. There's also something about the relationship that, and the communication that you've developed with the actors through the course of the process, figuring out the ways that whatever you're doing in that 25 minutes worth of rehearsing the other scene can also impact the way you talk to them in that other part of the mm -hmm. rehearsal. And, and finding the ways that hopefully you know how to speak to each one of the actors by this point and finding the ways to call back and make, make the work you can get done 
also something that you can then give them a note on and give them the opportunity to expand that work into other parts of the play. And I also think, and slightly going back to what related to what you said, but slightly going back to what I was saying, that I also think it's important is sometimes you do have to lay all your cards on a specific moment. Sometimes a moment is really important. Sometimes you may have a whole day you'd love to get to 30 pages of the script, but you know that first moment when they walk in the room and see each other for the first time isn't working and it just causes a domino cascade where the rest of the scene doesn't work. And sometimes that means you spend an hour on that first half page. And that can be a very scary thing to do because it means that other 29 and a half pages are going to get one less run at them than they would otherwise. But again, you have to prioritize, you know what, really getting that opening moment right is going to set the tone both for the audience and for the actors for the rest of the scene. And it is worth it to spend what could be viewed as an inordinate amount of time on that particular thing. But again, that's a big part of what it is in terms of the time management and prioritization is you need to make those choices in terms of how you want to approach the process and how you want to divvy up your time in order to arrive at the product that you want to arrive at. A choice like that I don't think is a, has a neutral value when it's successful, but rather you can have the opposite of that negative domino effect. That mm -hmm. Especially if it's a moment, if you've prioritized a moment well in terms of building the, a rehearsal process around something that you're willing to bank that much on, mm -hmm. there's a great likelihood that it will spring into um, a lot of the other work that you were either hoping to accomplish or that you had anticipated but falls in line with the story that's being told and the, the take on the play that, that everybody in the room is there to, uh, to bring out. Well, I mean, that's part of the thing is that the audience doesn't experience the moments of the play in a vacuum. They experience them in the context of the moments that have come before it, of the cascade of moments. And so it really is that place about if you've got a dam up at one point in that cascade, that to knock that dam over is going to have a, a whole series of effects down the line. But also, you know, not just for the audience, but also for the actors. You know, that if you can help the actors find the springboard moment, as you were saying, is going to affect everything else in the scene. It's that thing of, like, if you don't spend the time working on that first moment, and then the thing that happens next is he picks up the cup, and then he walks over to the door, and then they have that exchange where she's sitting in there on the couch, and, and it, 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 you could work all of those subsequent moments a little bit, and it's just him picking up the cup and going to the, the door, but it's the opposite effect in terms of the audience response is, if that moment has enough impact, all he has to do is pick up the cup for the storytelling moment to be, how can he fucking pick up that cup right now? That is, I cannot believe he just picked up that cup. Like, that's all he has to do in the context of what has come before. But that can be incredibly valuable. If you've set your priorities in the right place, it should yield great results. As we mentioned before, there are actually in this run-work section, there are kind of multiple ways that you can approach a scene or an act, or the full play. And, you know, so let's talk a little bit about the value of some of the different uh, ways that you can approach it. What about the stop and start runs? You know, when you're going through, but then stop and work on a moment, and maybe go back a little bit, and then go forward, and really kind of work on 
the individual components of the scene, but generally in chronological order. I mean, that's something I think happens at least at some point in almost every rehearsal process. How do you guys like to work with those, and, and, and at what points do you find them most helpful? They feel like an opportunity to combine the two things at once of that holistic approach and staying in the chronological process of the play in its entirety or in the entirety of the act or the section you know that, that, that we might be working on, but to make sure that the moment-to-moment -moment work and some specific detail work is, is there. Like the opportunity to do that smaller work with a focus on a larger context that it brings. It's a nice, I think, transitional point in the rehearsal process between the, the working period and the run work period to um, begin to transition into, a, into that uh, holistic approach to the play rather than a piecemeal approach but while still doing piecemeal type work on smaller sections. There's something that feels like it happens in, in early run-throughs um, sometimes, which is that a moment goes by and your response is, Oh, that was then, and it's it's gone, and you get all you have to go all the way through to the end of the play and wait until, you know, tomorrow before you get to go back and deal with it. Yeah. And there's something really nice about that sort of combo start stop uh, process where you can you can kind of go, oh, okay, wait, can we go back and and then you you figure out how it fits into that you know that larger arc that more holistic holistic part of the of the journey but without having missed your opportunity at it you get a chance to kind of get it into your body and try it again so that the next time it's there for you that's true because the the, the first run or run will always have a different quality like things will happen within the context of the rest of the play for the first time and there are going to be times when you're going to want to stop and investigate something or that happened or investigate something that didn't happen and make sure that we know, oh, this is when this needs to happen here already? We're already at this scene? You know. I mean, I can't, that's probably the most frequently backstage spoken line or <laughs> offstage spoken line in the first round. It's like, wait, we're already here? I feel like that's, that's a common feeling because we've been <laughs> stretching everything out and pulling it apart for the first two weeks. And it's really helpful at this point to sometimes be able to stop and, and finesse those things as you go because a lot of that oh no where we already went past that hindsight is it a lot of this process for me as an actor is really about finding where the mile markers are mm -hmm. and realizing a lot of the time in this part of it that oh I need I need to have this mile marker earlier I need I need to make sure that wherever I am in the play right now actually has a seed 30 minutes earlier that I didn't realize. And so having the chance to kind of learn that and build that in as you're putting the whole play together is incredibly helpful. And I think something that's um, also really helpful is the expectation of what the rehearsal is gonna be. So if it is a start run day or, you know, run um, or whatever, it is, that the director is clear of what it's going to be and the actors are clear on what's going to, to be. So it's not, I mean, you know, oftentimes there'll be a run, you know, we're going to try to go through the whole thing this time and we may stop. But, but by saying we may stop and work, you have the expectation as the actor that that might happen so you're not thrown for a loop or... Yeah. And I think an important part of that, to, though, too, is... I, that there are many different versions of how do you do a stop-start thing. And I yes. think that idea of setting up 
the parameters are really important. But it is something that as a director, if you say to a group of actors, we're going to try to run, we might stop to address some things, and then you're stopping it every three minutes. What that, with the message that sends to the actors is A, you are failing at what you're yes. doing. B, you should not trust me when I tell you what we're going to be doing next. And C, I know you prepared yourself with the mindset of this is how I want to approach this run because I know we're going to be primarily running it and so I've chosen specific things to work on and screw you in your process because we're going to do what I want to do instead. That is just not something that is a helpful thing to do as a director. And there's an option D too, which is the, uh, oh my God, we're never going to get to run this play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and having the opportunity to realize, no, this is this is a decision that we're working this way today, and then you can trust that there will be other opportunities to run the play. Yeah. And again, I think laying down the ground rules of exactly what it means, because I know as an actor, if I know today were to stop start thing, I have no problem stopping. Uh, Jersey directed me in something recently. He will tell you that. But that idea of if I go and I put the basket down over here and like, you know what? Nope, that was, I will be glad to pick it up and go back three lines and pick it back up because that's what we're working on. As an actor, it's the actor's time too. You know, that said, sometimes it is something where the director says, I really want to see how it's holding together except for the things that I want to stop for. And that's totally reasonable. You just have to tell people that that's what it is. You know, because people approach different kinds of runs differently. And, you know, I know something that I really like to do in, um, especially in the early run work section, and frankly, I only want to do it when I feel like I'm really on my game that day, because it's, um, but is to really tell people to keep up to speed even when we stop, you know, and just kind of swoop in and rather than, okay, stop, let's look at it, but say, okay, great, can you go back three lines and this time, instead of handing her the thing on that line, do it on the next line, step back, they do it great and we'll keep going you know and that there really is something to that that one it means the director and the actors have to be really on the ball but there is something that sort of keeps up the flow of what's going on it really allows you to look at the moments sort of in context even when you're working on them individually you know also something that i always try to do and especially in that setting is as a director, is you say first, can you hand her the newspaper on this line instead? Good, they do it, say, that's terrific, great, keep it, because I want to be sure that they associate it with that line, and move on. And the idea of sometimes to let the actor understand why we've made that choice. You know, so that they, so that, because the thing is, is they're gonna continue to shape their performance, but you haven't given them the result, you've, you know, given them an actable thing, and then said, that's terrific, it works because of X. We're making sure that they realize that you're talking about the judge. We're, you know, we're making sure that they see that you're putting that in your pocket. And that way, as the actors are continuing to work and continuing to hone their performance, they can say, you know what, I'm actually going to try to put it down a line later, but I know the reason you told me to put it down in that line was to be sure they saw it, and I will be sure to honor that, even as I'm honing my my thing. But I also do find it's much better after they've executed it and it works to give the reason rather than to give it up front because then you get asking people to get in their head about really things that aren't their concern. It's the director's concern to be sure, you know, whatever that moment that you're trying to work with them on. So what about rehearsals where you really are coming in focus on specific moments where 
sometimes, you know, you'll say, today what we're going to do is do the moment when you arrive at the door. We want to take a look at that. What, uh, when is that useful? And uh, how do you guys like to work with um, that sort of a setup? I don't have a specific thought on when it's useful generally. Maybe, Kit, you were mad in terms of the way you like to approach your process. There, you might have more specific thoughts on that. I always find it the most useful when there are obviously moments such as the type of one you described earlier within a given rehearsal process, which are all different and none are completely ideal, during which that, the, you know, the, the moment needs work. And it is a, a bit of a different thing. It's a more intensive work uh, than a start and stop, which gives the opportunity to work on a moment in the context of the play, but also you're not afforded the time and you are, and as an actor, I'm not necessarily prepared to work on a given moment we're going to be working on before we come into the rehearsal room. Um, I think the preparation is, 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 a big, is a big key. It's kind of the difference, like a start and stop is like, in a, you know I'm a big um, NASCAR fan, all of you know that. <laughs> that uh, but the, you can make a pit stop, right? Like you're doing the run and then you can pull over and you have a couple seconds to tweak something because you realize, oh, we need to change this wheel, we need to tighten this thing, we need to do whatever, and then you can go back onto the track. But there's a certain point where you're not in a run, you need to take it to the garage and pull everything out and get to the carburetor and change the carburetor or pull everything out. So it's like you're in the garage working on a specific thing and we know we're going here, we're we have a, it's a, again a diagnostic issue that we're going to focus, but we're taking it out of the context of the pressure of the entirety of the thing that you're doing. You're not doing a lap. We're not running. We're working on this one thing, and we're going to know that before we go in, and we're going to go in, we're going to diagnose it, and we're going to get it working so smoothly that when we're back on track, we're going to be back on track. Yeah, I feel like the... Uh... The difference for me between working a specific moment and like a, a, a stop and start run, you know, often you're working specific moments so that you can do a run smoothly. We're walking through the moment you come in, there's always that weird bit of traffic. You know, we're walking your behavior with that prop. It always falls apart when you pick it up. There are always, you know, very small things that seem to derail the, the, the line of the show. Uh, and I find that that's the time when I go through and like work a specific moment and you have a list of like you know 10 and if you take two hours you can really conquer them all so that the next run there's not that same hiccup every time where the two people get caught by the couch or you know mm -hmm. whatever it is and I think a lot of it has to do with those moments where the thing that's causing the problem is the thing that's not the most important you know, is the thing where, you know, it's a moment about her, you know, giving the tea set over, but the problem is she's having trouble balancing the tea set. You know, I mean, candidly, a lot of it is like combat-y moments. I mean, certainly when you do stage combat, you do it, but the moment where he grabs her purse, she grabs it back, she yanks it, she yanks it, he, she pulls it away, you know, that is not really a combat moment per se, but... You know, it's a moment where we really need to figure out how is that going to work so it happens safely and yet you guys can be in, intense about it. And also, frankly, it can be something to really honor a, an actor's 
trouble or insecurity about a moment, even if the director thinks the moment is working fine, if they can see the actor is not feeling comfortable with it, to say, you know what, we're just going to take a minute and look at this and be sure that we're all good with the way that it's working, um, you know, can just, again, go a really long way towards making the actor confident in what they're doing, even if the thing that you arrive at is exactly what you've been doing is what you end up doing, but you give the actor the opportunity to express what their concern is. And again, that's the same thing working in the other direction, which is a lot of times direct actors are thinking, I've got a concern here, but it's not the most important thing, so I'm not going to bother the director with it. And to say, you know what, we're just going to work on this moment for a minute gives the actor the license to really talk about what the issue is. You know, and sometimes what you can do is make a change to address it. Sometimes you can just talk about it until the actor figures out how to address it within the context of what you're already doing. I also find that it can be helpful to work, not just sort of little technical moments, but little sections of, of a scene, things that maybe have that, that technical thing to address, which I feel like can often be the way in to really working on what is the real issue in the section of, of, of something, to be able to work out a moment in the play that is just not quite connecting and to take the time to call back to earlier work and, and, but to really let the actors work through that, to go into a particularly challenging moment and recognize that now lifting something out of context is, has its own challenges, but also to give them the chance to really kind of figure out how it fits on them now and remind them of the work that they did earlier and help them make those connections for that what might be a particularly difficult moment for them that keeps coming up through the course of a run. And I think, you know, part of that too is, you know, carrying on Jersey's NASCAR metaphor of, um, you know, taking it to the garage, but really taking it out of context, that that's really what you're talking about. And it can be useful for all the reasons we've talked about, but sometimes it can even be useful to highlight success. You know, that if there is a moment that should be being a springboard moment, but isn't potentially for the rest of the scene, even though it's working really well, to say, let's take a look at that three-line exchange when you sit next to her at the couch. Okay, good, good, good. All right, guys, yes, this is it. This is where the rest of the scene comes from. That's terrific. Let's go and pick it up, and let's, once we get there, keep carrying it through the rest of the scene. Even to, to have taken that four minutes to really look at that moment where they're really succeeding and making them feel that it is an important moment actually speaks volumes compared to just telling them that's a great moment, keep going. If you've taken the time out of rehearsal to actually look at it, you know, actions speak louder than words. There's something about, um, it might really come down to like a type of muscle memory too, with those moments, and working those moments. That if it is because of safety, because of the combat, or a particularly tricky staging thing, or like a weird oblong prop that has like a, edge on it that is strange and whatever it is or if it's a storytelling moment that requires specificity to take the time to work something to the point where it's in your body you know there's you want to be able to have repeatability and you want to be able to be consistent uh, as an actor that's what you want and as a director that's what you want to achieve but there are those specific moments, and you know things will ebb and flow a little slightly from night to night. But there are those things that just need to be a certain way on a given night in an ideal world every night, 
and the more opportunities you have to take them out of context and just drill them into your body and into especially it's like running you know what it is it's like running lines running a section of lines that you keep flubbing but for that second layer of text you know that if it's like something that's not not quite hitting in the right way or it's you're slightly upstage of me on this and we really need to make sure we meet down here at the right moment because it'll look like we can see the guy and we're not supposed to see him whatever it is drilling that so it's there and it's reliable and it becomes uh, uh, secondary and not the primary thing you're worrying about so you can do your work while having that in your muscle memory. And there's something really helpful about isolating those moments, out, lifting them out of the run so that as an actor you can um, not only get it into your muscle memory but also during the course of the run you may not realize what's making it work or not work because you're working you're working on so many different things at a time and to yeah. be able to lift something out and and specify that so that uh when you get to it you don't have to worry about that that piece of it anymore yeah they can kind of become these fence posts in your performance almost too of of uh, you know have have you lost the connection or you know you go to your scene partner but you also know this is the moment where this is happening because you've drilled it so many times and it becomes kind of a safety a safety zone hmm. that springs you into the next section and you know those are coming up and you know hopefully those are close together tight hmm. you know tight together so that you can just keep going from one to the other and it's an opportunity um, in the midst of a you know putting the whole arc of the play together it's an opportunity to actually take it take it a little bit out and acknowledge what it is that's working and successful and what it needs to be so that you can really name it and you really know what to hold on to about that little section. Yeah, and I think so much, again, of, of that's coming up now, which I think is really important, is the idea of the success and finding the success, finding what works, and even taking a step back to the stop-start runs. That I think it is second, you know, it's what people do, and I think most of the time it's what you want to do, is when you stop and go back to fix something that's not working. But sometimes I think that directors and actors need to give themselves you know, the license to say, I'm running this thing and this thing that's never quite worked before just worked and say, can we go back half a page? Cause I, cause I think I figured out how that works. Let me see if it works. If I, yes, good. I figured out what makes it work instead of having to wait for the next time you come around to find out if what you think made the moment work was actually the thing that made the moment work. Um, again, what you're talking about is you're building towards a repeatable performance. And, you know, that idea of it's not just about honing the archetypal performance, but also figuring out as an actor and as a director, giving your actors the tools and the space to figure out for themselves what is it that they need to do in these moments to be able to repeat them night after night after night. Give them ownership of it. Yeah. And that's something, candidly, I, I think is important. And, um, you know, if as a director you're watching what's going on, and, you know, you do need to be able to decide, prioritize what we really need now as a run. But I think sometimes it can be really helpful when you're able to. If you look and you're thinking, it would be interesting to run again, it might, but the actors might just need the time to go home and process what they're doing, even though we could fit in another run. So I'm going to ask them, do they want to go back and work these three moments out of context or do they want to run 
these three scenes again. And, you know, again, sometimes as the director, you need to make that executive decision. But I think it can be really helpful, you know, both to the morale of the team to feel ownership over the fact that they not only own their, you know, have control over their own character, but also some control over the process. But also, really, that they're able to, you know, that you trust the actors to know what they need. And sometimes as the director, you're looking and you're saying, this is what the production needs at the moment. But sometimes when there isn't something specific like that, it's really helpful and a good idea and will serve your production to turn to the actors and say, which of these things would be most helpful to you right now? What about runs um, of either scenes or acts or plays where basically the actors start from the beginning of the scene, go through without being interrupted, and then there are notes on the run after the fact. Uh, when are those useful and, and how do you like those rehearsals to run? Well, if starting and stopping is like a NASCAR race with pit stops and going and working specific moments is like taking the car into the garage, a run is like a drag race where you make, you give adjustments and you make notes and you give feedback and then you just have to trust and see how in context of the run things are going to go and then there's an opportunity for diagnostic and working and going back to the garage or doing another run right after with more notes and adjustments but to really see with these few changes to let it just kind of let it go and see what happens i think i mean that might be from a more directorial standpoint but i think it's really useful for an actor too not just as a diagnostic tool but also as an opportunity to build those connections between scene one and scene 19, not just intellectually, but through the experience of having gone through the whole play without stopping and without taking them out of context and without repetition to know where you might want to, in the run work section of rehearsal, work <laughs> after you do a run. And I also think as an actor, you know, sometimes you can get caught up in your head. A lot of actors do get caught up in their head about things. and that there really is, that your mind works a lot faster than you give it credit for. And especially after you've been acting for a while, you have instincts and you have tools that will work for you. And that there are a lot of times when you know we're not stopping and I'm feeling like this is going off the rails. It is amazing, especially after you've been working on a play for two or three or four weeks, you know, how much, what you're able to draw on mm -hmm. to kind of bring yourself back into, you know, into the story. And I think there's huge amounts that you can learn about how you really relate to the story in a moment-to-moment -moment way in the way that it has been structured in the staging and things like that over the course of everything just by having to deal with the fact that as you start tipping off the balance beam, you know, you've got the muscle memory to pull yourself back upright. You know, because it is something, a, a, someone who's a, a gymnast who's on the balance beam, when they start tipping, they don't start thinking, wait a minute, I need to move my left arm and tighten my core. That's not what they think about. They just do it. And I think as an actor with experience, there's a lot of things that, especially once you're really acquainted with the play and the character, you'll be able to just do things that you might not have thought you would be able to do if you had to stop and think about it. Yeah, it's like to see if everything in the moment work and in the starting and stopping in the early stage of rehearsal stuck or worked. But there's also, you know, in terms of that ownership question, it's really an opportunity for, which is eventually going to be the case, that once the rehearsal process is over, the hands of the director are off of the show. 
So to it's all it's like a transfer of ownership to those actors to not just work a moment, but to take a note and have the trust and hopefully the ability to execute and interpret the note and fix the issue or just address the question or the concern in the process of a run is, I think, a step further from working a moment and closer to what, you know, um, the ownership that you need to have to, to jump into a run of a show. I think that's an important transitional point as well. Well, one of the things that we've already talked about a bit is the idea that once you're in this phase of rehearsal, you can toggle between runs and work sessions and working individual moments. You know, and I think that, again, as you're shaping the play, you need to make the calls in terms of what needs to happen next. But from a director's point of view for you guys, when you've watched a run of something, how do you differentiate between something that can be addressed with a note or something that you want to work in a run, either in the next stop-start run or when you've called it out for an individual session? I think there are a lot of factors at play and I think some of it is knowing your actors and some of it is how many times have they made the choice the same way? Do you, you know, does it seem like something that needs some room to change the muscle memory? Um, does it seem like something that needs a lot of explanation and, and a little tweaking here and there, or is it something that is in the, the vocabulary you've already developed with the actors or about that choice or about that scene so that they could really uh, assimilate the note without a lot of additional explana explanation? I feel like though, if everything could be solved by just giving notes, then we should just give notes and then fit and make every play wonderful. So I feel like that, that there are times when, you know, if the note can be, that line's really about the dad. And then, then there's the, okay, and then it happens and it's great, that's great. But sometimes there might be an additional, like, a need to explain a little further or, or something that is not communicable by a note. And that that's when the run's required. So it's almost like if, not essentially, but I've definitely been in the place where like, if notes fail, or if you, if you either are not in a position where you can articulate what you need it to be succinctly or directly, then, take it into a work session and demonstrate it. Yeah, uh, Kit, you said something earlier about, you know, uh, actors being in their heads. And for me, it's about, you know, when you're giving someone a note, it is inherently intellectual. And is it something that they can take in intellectually and process internally and, vis and viscerally? Or is it something that is a new idea or something that we're going to have to actually get up and do for that uh, translation to occur. So there's a difference between like hand them the paper on that line, on the next line and you know I think this beat is about your mother. Those are two different kinds of notes that need to be processed in different ways mm -hmm. and that's how I in looking at what I do I think that's how I differentiate for myself. And I think part of it too I mean is, is very much related to that is I think that notes are very helpful at one of two extremes. Either when it's a very specific thing, hand her the paper on the next line. That's just something someone can do. Or the broader, there needs to be more of this idea in it. It needs to be more about their mother. Let's see how you process that. But once it gets into anything that's sort of like a sequence that needs to be shaped, that's very hard to do because it's very easy for an actor to be in the middle of a run and go like, 
oh, this is the line where I handed a line later. It's very easy for an actor, challenging but very doable for an actor, to say, all right, I'm starting this run and I need to keep my mother in my mind throughout it and see what that does to things. But it's a much harder thing to process of, I need to hand her the thing and then I was supposed to put on my coat on the next thing and then I pull out the chair. It's just, they're spending so much time being in their own intellectual moment of trying to remember the sequence of things they're supposed to do at this moment that they can't really, you know, that, they, that, they, that they're not actually being in the moment. And I actually thinking about it, I think it has a lot to do with proximity of what needs adjustment. Because somebody can hand the paper a line later, half a page later put the coat on on that line, half a page later push the chair in. But when it's this line and then this line and then this line, it gets hard to wrangle. And I also think the other place where I definitely think it's, it's a place to work rather than give a note is when I'm not totally sure of the answer, which happens, you know, a lot, where it's like, this moment isn't working. We're not sure why. Let's get together and get under the hood and see if we can't figure out how to make this moment work. As an actor, I really appreciate um, sort of a combo uh, element of this, too. I really appreciate hearing the note and then knowing that we're going to work the thing. So I have a chance to kind of process it intellectually and then work it to make sure that I'm also processing it viscerally. So how do you guys as actors and directors think about notes? How are they effective and how do you like to deal with them in rehearsal? I do like the inherent trust element in the note, notes process. I, I, I really like the challenge, hopefully it's not too much of a challenge, if it's a, a good collaboration of either interpreting or incorporating the note that you get from the director and putting it in the context of the story that's being told and the play that's happening, but also the specific work that you're doing and doing that work and, 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 uh, and bringing it in for the next run. I think that's a really exciting, challenging part of the process. It's like a little puzzle to solve or a little, you know, like I can, I can just say, I'm going to take the paper on the next line, but to do the work to really make that make sense for you in the context of everything else that's happening it's another piece of text for you, essentially, is what it is. You know, it's that overlay of, of another type of text. So it's a tweak. It's, a, it's, it's something to incorporate rather than something to add, which I really relish in the, in, in the process. Yeah, uh, uh, yes. The way I like to think about notes as a director, I was actually still in school and was working on uh, Don Juan, a Moliere play, which Jersey was actually in. Fact. Uh, and I was playing the role of Sconarelle. And I remember uh, you know, the way this play is structured, Sconarelle kind of sets up the scene and then hides and watches Don Juan seduce these women. I remember watching the scene, and as, as I was watching it, you know, thinking of a hundred little notes that if I was the director, I would give. You know, oh, this line should be like this, and this should happen here. Uh, and then when it would come time to hear notes after the scene, the director would give a single note that addressed all of the little notes that I had seen along the way. And uh, I became totally obsessed with that ability to find the underlying gem to give the, to give the actor that allows them to... Uh, to solve all the nuanced problems that were happening along the way. So I really try and challenge myself to, when I'm looking at my pad of notes and I took 10 in a scene for the same actor, instead of going through and nitpicking them on you know, these three different beats, what is the thing that's going on underneath these three single notes that I can give to them that will be ultimately so much more helpful than these three little things? 
I actually do something that's a little bit of the opposite of that, but not really. Because I agree about the not nitpicking, but I almost always at the beginning of notes end up saying, I basically have three notes for everyone, but I will give each of them probably ten different ways, and you pick whichever one you find most useful. Because there are some times where it's like when you're watching the run, you take a note and it's in a very technical way, and then in the moment it's about the way they're interacting with the other character, and then it's about what they're driving from. But you know it's really all about the same thing. But different actors will take it different ways. So I, I will say, you know, when she does that, will you do this? And that's really very similar to what I said when you said, can you be louder early on? It's a similar thing, whichever way is easier for you to think about it. Mm. But I do find it's, you know, sometimes easier because different people think about different things, think about things differently. And, you know, to give them options of ways to think about it rather than necessarily making them think about it the way you want to. You know, that said, if you know actors really well, um, and have been working with them either through this process or before, sometimes you'll know exactly the note to give. I mean, one of my very favorite stories was working with Tim Davis, who is a, I've been, or been directing him forever, and we've worked on 20-something shows together. And I remember we were working on a production once, and we did a, we did a run, and I called him and I said, Tim, what did he have for breakfast this morning? And he took it because, thank you, yes, yes, and went back into the scene. To be honest, I have. I, it was obviously a callback to something we discussed earlier in the process. I don't remember what it is, but there was something about that. Just he and I, you know, were on such the same wavelength that there really was. That was the one note for the scene, and as a recall, it made a really significant difference in the scene. I feel like I have a couple of thoughts about notes in terms of I like to include successes that we've talked about. I always want to pick the moments that did work because it's really easy to skip over those because you don't need to work those moments again or what they did was fine. But to find things for each person that um, was a was an individual success. And likewise, I want to make sure that all my notes aren't for one person on, not the negative side, but on the, the adjustment side too, to make one person feel singled out. I do, I do, I am cognizant of kind of spreading the wealth of those notes. And I think that sometimes, I think that really is important, again, in terms of the morale of things and, and in terms of the priority, that sometimes, you know, you need to decide, I have notes on these seven lines, but you know what? I'd rather have an actor who's engaged and excited to keep rehearsing for the rest of the day, so I'm going to decide what to do. But sometimes, you know, if you've got a lot of notes for someone, it's generally because they're having trouble with it, because it's difficult. Whether it's difficult generally or it's difficult for them, uh, you know, are two different questions. But the answer is they're not having problems with it because they're trying to be difficult. It's because the situation is difficult for them. And I find that goes because sometimes you do have a situation where you really do have to direct most of the notes to one person. I totally agree that you want to kind of pick your battles in that way. You know, but sometimes it really helps to say, you know what, you've got a really tricky job in this scene. And, you know, you're really, it's, you're coming a long way. I have several thoughts, though, about ways that we can. And that way it's put in a context of you're going to get a number of notes, but it's not because you're a bad actor. It's because this is a particularly challenging part. And, again, it just goes a long way. That's just generally a thing as a director, to be humane always but notes are really are a section of rehearsal where your humanity can be very easily measured 
where you over the course of 15 minutes are going to give 30 different notes to seven different people and it will be very easy to measure whether or not you are treating those people fairly and and humanely. And also, I mean, it's tricky. It's tricky to navigate in this, you know, small amount of note giving time. But, you know, if there are smaller roles to make sure, I mean, I, I as being a smaller role or in directing smaller roles to give notes to them as well. They're just as important at, you know, they might not give it, get as many notes as Hamlet does, but, you know, they, they are an actor and they have their, you know, whole history and whole, you know, all this stuff and deserve notes. I, I really like this part of the process as an actor, but I also think there are some technical things that happen for, for me in notes sessions a lot. And I think, what you were saying about a smaller role. Um, There's also something about respecting the time of the actors from the perspective of the director and recognizing that, you know, you may have two principal actors who are going to get the bulk of the the notes and that maybe not the entire cast every single day needs to sit there. And that other times it's helpful to everyone to hear, you know, the way that the communication is going. And there's also something about those noting successes that I think I have had an experience or two as an actor where it's not always helpful to um, to be really specifically told what I'm doing well in a very specific moment. That sometimes it's more helpful to let that be a more general note or to be something that even gets worked and and used as a springboard. Um, you know, as we talked about earlier. But sometimes you you know you, we said earlier that actors can be very cerebral and get caught in their heads and sometimes you hear that thing and think you're doing it well and now you'll never be able to do it the same way again because you've started to notice it and think about it in a different way. Or you're trying to do the note that you got. It's so terrific that you seem so urgent in that moment. All of a sudden all you need to do is be urgent in that moment forever. You know, but I mean, I think it is very nice to hear that, you know, this section of scenes working really well. Keep it up, guys. You know, that's, you know, help, helpful. I also think it's something that I totally agree with you about the idea of, you know, trying to respect the time of the cast. And if you can, let some people go do. Um, and at the same time, I also think it's important for people, you know, who do potentially have the smaller roles to realize that, you know, the director and the principals have a very large role, maybe probably going home and spending hours after rehearsal that you're not necessarily spending, um, you know, getting ready for the next day of rehearsal. You know, and there is some degree to which, I mean, you know, if, if rehearsal is scheduled, you know, from 10 until 6, you're on the clock until 6. And if that means that you know, you need to sit and listen to somebody else's notes. You know, not because people don't care about your time, but frankly because the time it would take to sift out the notes for the people who aren't the principals is just time that's going to push the whole rehearsal over. You know, sometimes that happens. And very candidly, you know, in like very big professional situations on Broadway and things like that, they are much more concerned with getting the principals home to eat and go over their lines and get to bed than they are getting the chorus people home. And that just is a reality of, you know, the professional world that you might as well get a little bit accustomed to when you're working in college or someplace else. Um, you know, that said, always everyone should try to be as considerate of everyone as they can. And I think just that's the flip side of, you know, actors who might not be getting as many notes might realize 
the director and it might have an awful lot on his plate right now that he needs to focus on just giving the notes in the order he took them. I think there's something in that too about the actors who did get a lot of notes or didn't get a lot of notes and trying to give yourself as an actor the benefit of the doubt and the director the benefit of the doubt and not second guess whether the, the amount of time that's being spent on you means one thing or another thing, but really respecting the collaboration and the communication that you've had all along and, and recognizing that you're not being told secret codes through notes, which as you get into this part of the process, you know, and you're, you're really trying to take ownership of this role and to some extent the the baton is being handed to you as an actor. Um, the, the stress level's high, the pressure is high, and I have done it and I've seen it happen all the time that you know people start to panic about notes and about the way in, in which the notes are, are, are given, but really respecting the collaboration you've had the whole time. I think a couple, of, just a couple of like rules of thumb about notes that I actually we've hit on several of them, but I think are that I think are useful is just and this is me personally, but I find it a very respectful way to give notes is to give them as questions, you know, in terms of rather than saying do this on this line, say can you do this on this line? The answer almost always is yes, and frankly, if the answer is no, your answer back can be, but I really need you to. But it really just does give the actor permission to say, you know what, the reason I'm doing that is this. I would much rather have that conversation with the actor because I presented it that way and then find out what the issue is and be able to address it than either put it in a form where they don't feel like they can tell me what the real issue is that I'm not seeing or where they feel like they have to fight me to tell me the real reason. So I think that's just a very, just a respectful thing to ask your collaborator, can you cross to her a line earlier? You know, you can say it in a way that it's clear you really want them to, but it's still a polite way to put it. And I think it's also helpful, you know, to ask, you know, to, to ask if people understood the note. And especially if it's complicated, even ask them to repeat it back. You know, if it's an important thing to say, you know, uh, so can you go give her the note card before you go back to the tea service? Is that clear? Yes, it is. You know, it, I mean, that's a really helpful thing to do. But also... So what are you going to do? I'm going to give her the note card before I go back to the tea service. <laughs> yeah, that might not be something you'd want to do on something like that. But yeah, it can be something that can be really helpful to do if you know... I know I, and I think it's a lot, it's very helpful as a director to do a little fall on your sword a little bit and say, I know that might be a few too many steps to give in the notes, we'll see how it runs, but can you just tell me, so, so after you go to the tea service, I'm going to do this and this and this, thank you, terrific, thank you. And also, this is a rule of thumb that I've heard and do not 100% agree with, but I 98% agree with it, I just think it's a good rule of thumb, which is, as you're giving an actor a note about a particular thing, once they start nodding, stop talking. That that's sort of the signal that they have taken in as much information about that as they are going to take in at this point. You know, that they feel like, yes, I understand what you want. And usually when they, when they nod, it's, it's a signifier that I now know what I'm going to try next time. And then you will find out whether or not you know, it works, and that's what you do on the next <laughs> on the next line. <laughs> we are all. I just nodded at you, but I wasn't trying to get you to stop talking. Uh, um, but I, I mean, uh, that probably makes sense most of the time. I think. 
the nodding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm I, a big nodder though, so I feel like, oh no, like, are these directors like not telling me things I need to hear? Well, no, but I mean, I think that generally means that you know they're listening, and then, and sometimes I know some when I'm acting, a director will start give me a note, and it's like, no, I totally, I yes, I I, I felt that too, and you know what, I it, it, at that point I don't need to hear twenty seconds of let me re-explain this thing to you that I totally yeah. felt too, and I too am eager to readdress that. Um, well, so if your notes are questioned, it's can you do that thing when you move the finger <laughs> of the table? They nod, and it's like, okay, great, <laughs> you can. Yeah, sounds good. You know, and there are some times, though, where they're nodding and you're realizing, but I haven't gotten to my point yet. So, you know, and yeah. those are the, you know, two to five percent of the time that I don't think that's a, a great rule of thumb. But, um, you know, frankly, usually, I mean, it's just a cognitive thing. People are nodding because something's happening in their head and the rest of your note is competing with what's happening in their head, which is, you know, just, uh, I mean, you're not going to break anything. But it's not a bad rule of thumb in terms of your time management. What about other things that you might do during the run work kind of rehearsal outside of, you know, these the start stop runs and the moment work and the runs and giving notes? Are there other things that you guys as actors or directors like to do during this period? There might be a time when I mean I've definitely experienced this as an actor where we'll go back to earlier type of work in order to reaffirm something and and then there are also times that something like some new kind of approach like a like an exercise or something a character interview you know any of that kind of stuff or a, a, so if there's something that's kind of fundamentally uh oh it's like a speed through you know there's something that can address if it's if there's something that is pervasive throughout that has maybe become has crept into the the run process because that that that's the the other side of the of, of jumping in maybe to a run process too early is that in order to to cinch everything together, things can get alighted or confused, or the same something can creep in. It'll creep into the whole show. Um, so maybe as a diagnostic tool to or a corrective tool to address something that's more fundamental or more applies to larger group, uh, would be an opportunity to like do a an exercise or something like that. I generally, once we've gotten the show on its feet, like to, and there's certainly some exceptions, but like to try to do whatever work we're doing within the context of the structure of the play that we've set up. You know, there certainly are exceptions where it's, you know, you need to take a step back and maybe do an improvisation or a character interview. But I tr like to try as much as possible to kind of say, this is the shape of the show that we're working with. And, you know, and, and moving forward from there. But like things like that, you mentioned the speed throughs, I think can be incredibly useful. And for a lot of different reasons. I mean, I think a speed through, you know, where basically you just have the actors do the play as it's done, on its feet, do their moves, still talk to each other, but just do it as fast as they can. It really can help. I mean, in a similar way that we were talking about, you know, the falling off the balance beam, that you're when you don't have this option to stop to try to figure something out, even for a split second, your mind just makes connections that you will then have forever. You'll then have found ways to get from one moment to the other. And the other thing is, I mean, it also is a great way just to take out air from the show, because you generally want the show usually to be as tight as possible, so that when there are pauses, they're meaningful. You know, it's not just that there's a little pause between everything. You know, but there is something to, you know, to that idea of, again, once you've 
you know, have to respond immediately back to someone. A lot of times you go, oh, I understand. I was listening to them more actively and that's what made me respond. But another thing that I actually find I use speed throughs for as much as anything else in rehearsal is to really build the confidence of the actors. Because there really can be something to, you know, you're working through and if you're having a difficult rehearsal and you're struggling, you know, to try to figure out a moment, which happens every rehearsal process, you know, that there are times where it's just something's not coming together, to say, you know what, before we take a break, let's just run this scene, speed through, let's go. And what happens is, maybe that moment's still rough. Maybe it is, maybe it takes a step towards solving itself, but there's so much other stuff that's right. And that there really can just be something to say to the actors, you guys know this scene. You know it, you understand it, you're doing great work, we're gonna keep getting more specific, but that you did when you weren't thinking about it, you know this scene. It's just something that I think can be really empowering to an actor. And frankly, relieving to a director to see that, in fact. But I find once you get to this point, if people have been doing good work and you speed through, there might be rough patches, but it's amazing how much it looks like the play you're, you've been working towards. Mm. Basically, when you take away the permission to stop to do something other than what you've been working towards. A speed through for me can feel, too, like a, like a line through of that second layer of text that we've been talking about as well. It's like, okay, we've had, we have this staging stuff and we've been working that one scene so many times and now we're going to drop it into the play and we're going to do the whole thing and to find out where I know kind of where I need to be in terms of what I'm doing and where I feel like oh that's a transition I need to work on that's a thing I don't I haven't connected to this moment that you really know where you're locked in and where you're not and where you might want to drill and where you might want to take some of that other work um, so specifically speed through I think can be really useful for that. Another exercise that I really find very useful in this part of the process is actually a modification of an exercise I find useful in other parts of the process too, which is the pointing exercise, as we refer to it. But where the idea is you've got the staging, you have people going through, but I will ask the actors to point at, usually, the person they are talking about. It can be themselves, it can be the other person, it can be another person in the room, it can be a person outside of the room, but that they're always pointing at something. Or sometimes the modification, you can say, you, you can be pointing at the thing that you're talking about. It kind of depends on the nature of the scene. But what I find that does is it just really clarifies the progression of thought in the scene. Where basically what it does is it forces the actor, and I really enjoy this when I'm acting to do this exercise, it just forces you to make a choice with every line. You can't be talking about this generally. This is the place where I am talking about what you did to me. This is the part where I'm talking about the, what my right is to it. This is the point where I'm talking about what my sister told me the other day. And I just really find that's something that you can do. And in the, in the space of one run through, it is you really take five or six or seven run through steps ahead just by creating an exercise where you're asking the actors to make a choice with every single line. And the thing actually that it does as much as anything else is clarify where there are different choices to be made. Is clarify even if you decide, okay, this next line isn't about my sister, I made it about my sister this time and that didn't feel right, but you know what? It's definitely about something different than the line that came before it. 
And up until now, I've been sort of eliding those two lines, but they're actually two different thoughts. And again, it's just a really useful, very simple exercise that I know that whenever I work with an actor who hasn't used it before and you tell them the first time, I'm like, okay, really? And by the end of the first time they do it, it's like, oh, now I understand the scene in a way I never did before. It's a yeah. very simple, really useful exercise. It's a great, it's, yeah. Because it's a, it's a good getting out of your head exercise too, which is probably why I found it useful. But, because it can be that, oh, it should be about something else or boy, was that about the sister when I did it. Whether or not it was what, that's what it was in the, in the, in the realm or in, in the exercise. And one other exercise that I find can be really useful at this stage of the process, although it also can be useful at earlier stages of the process, is when you ask the actor to take the word from the previous, from, is when you ask the actor to take the word from the other actor's previous line that they are responding to and repeat it and then respond. Um, that there is something about, it's like, what are you talking about? And then the other actor says, talking? I'm talking about your shoes. Shoes? Who are you two? Because frankly, it can you can be responding to any number of different lines. It can be, I'm talking about your shoes. I'm talking yours and shoes could be the most important thing that you're responding to. But again, what that really does is a very easy thing and frankly a very fun thing to do, but it really forces active listening and really critically active response to what the other person is doing. And I've just found that exercise, which again, seems like a relatively, you know, silly little romp uh, of an exercise because it, it is usually a lot of fun to do. But it really does, especially once you have a shape of a scene, really does help to establish the way the way that you connect to the other character is important to the way that the scene evolves. And it's something, it's an exercise that I recently used in, um, in a piece that I directed. And one, the actors, I think, found it very useful. Um, and two, what I did during the run of it is I kind of underlined all of the words that they were repeating. And then I could go back and kind of look at those and kind of see what story was kind of being told through that currently so that I could go back and kind of tweak it if necessary, but I mean, it's really what they're responding to, but it was kind of neat to look at after the fact and kind of see where things were falling into place. Yeah, it really is a great diagnostic tool. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that, 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 that idea of it's an easy way without asking the actor to describe what you're thinking about in this moment. You can see what they're thinking about in yeah. that moment. Uh, what do you guys look for from your collaborators at this point in the process? I would hope it's if not all, most of what we've been talking about today, which is having maybe an ideal set of circumstances that, or under, under an ideal set of circumstances, a, a timeline for the collaborators, the director, you know, and a plan for the way that the um, rehearsal process is going to, is going to go, and for, and for an actor, uh, day to day, and for the entirety of the process, but also a philosophy of the approach that um, we're all here to do the same type of work. We all have the goal of now, now that we're in the run work portion, we're going to shift our focus and hone what we've already worked on and prepare for a show that's ready to go into a run, go into tech and then into a run. Yeah, for myself, this is, uh, in addition to the collaboration with the actors, this is also the moment in rehearsal where... Uh, the designers are coming into the room. Other people that have not been a part of the process in the rehearsal room, are, but have been around the collaborative table, so to speak, in terms of the production, are actually seeing the work with fresh eyes. 
Uh, and so I often, if it's a team that I've worked with enough to, you know, really know that they you know what to look for and things like that, I'm trusting their fresh eyes to ask them questions. What are you seeing? Um, you know, what, what parts are unclear to you? What do you think of this moment? Because it's just a, it's a wonderful tool to have suddenly new people in the room who have not been with the play for the past three weeks in the same way that you and the actors have. I think that there's, we, we keep talking about each stage of rehearsal being the preparation for the next stage of rehearsal. And for an actor, this is really the last chance you have to really work on your, your acting choices with your collaborators. And so, because, you know, once you step into tech, there are, you know, all sorts of other people in the room and all sorts of other people whose jobs kind of move to the front of the list for that time. And it's this stage of rehearsal is the chance to really ask and answer all the rest of your questions as much as you possibly can. And I think, um, to some degree, it's my favorite part of it. It's the, it's the part where everybody and all of the ideas that you've been putting on the table all along, everybody is hopefully coming together to um, lift those up off of the table and prepare you to move into that full production and to give you the confidence going into tech that you can spend a week, you know, addressing the technical concerns and, and just showing up and doing your job the best that you can because you have had the chance to work together with everybody now and know that you have the confidence and the, the shape of the performance that you're kind of catapulting into the next week. I think that's a good place to wrap up, and we will pick up with the next episode in this series with what happens in that next week uh, that we've been preparing for. If you like what you're hearing and would like to help other people know that the Cry Havoc podcast is out there, please tell your friends and colleagues, and also you can go to iTunes where you can write us reviews and give us stars, and also subscribe if you're not subscribed already. If you want to learn more about the Cry Havoc company, about our work, about our upcoming public events, and about ways that you can support the company's work, visit www.cryhavoccompany.org. You can also find us on Facebook as The Cry Havoc Company or on Twitter at CryHavocNYC. If you have any thoughts, comments, or questions about the podcast, you can email us at podcast at cryhavoccompany.org. So for myself, Jersey, Jen, Matt, Jenny, and everyone here at The Cry Havoc Company, Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe. Subscribe.